Welcome back, College Gridiron. We're here for another week. To be honest, I don't know what week it is of the college football season, but a lot of that depends on who you ask. I'm Jimmy Sullivan alongside Nick DeLuca and Jackson Heil this week. Glad to have you with us. Guys, a great week in college football, and it's great to be with both of you. For sure, Jimmy. It is great, and I'm excited to break down all of the craziness that was in college football from, I believe it was week 10. But again, I agree with you. It depends on who you ask. So I'm going to stick to week 10. That's what ESPN says. I'm excited for our expanded crew this week, and we're going to need it. A lot to break down with Florida, Georgia, and of course, Clemson and Notre Dame. So excited to get it all done with the both of you guys. First off, guys, it's been a while since I've been on this podcast. I just want to acknowledge that. So great to be with you all. Um, yeah, I, I, listen, I was watching, obviously, I, who wasn't watching the Clemson-Notre Dame game this past weekend. And besides the headache that I had watching all of these instant replays that kept going on and on and on, I watched that game and said, I have to talk about this in some capacity. So thank you for having me. Glad to be with you all. And I'm excited for it. We're going to have to pause for a second for an official review. Sorry about that. We'll be back in five minutes. (laughs) I mean, that was unbelievable, though. Watching that game was painful because it's such a good game. And I'm I'm so happy you brought that up, Jackson, because I'm sitting there and I'm dying. And you know I'm a huge Bills fan. On, On Sunday, I'm watching the Bills game. And they scored a touchdown that actually wasn't ruled a touchdown, and they didn't review it. And I was sitting there screaming my head off saying, where are these ACC refs? I need the ACC refs. We need to get this play review. That was just, it was unbelievable. All right, I'm done. We don't need to talk about the officials anymore, but can we review everything, please? I'm sure they, they, they made sure they got everything right. All right. Before, before we even really get into it, I just want to acknowledge the fact that Clemson in the first overtime, it took them about 25 minutes to run two plays. Two plays. It, it, it felt like, it felt like it went on for at least a half an hour and, Oh, man. Anyways, sorry. Jimmy, take the, take it away, please. Yeah. All, all, yeah. The more reviews we have, the longer it'll take to get to Chappelle, but that's beside the point. All right. <laughs> let's get into it. Clemson, Notre Dame, one of the games of the year. You talked about all the reviews, but at the end of it, a 47-40 victory for Notre Dame. DJ Uyunglele, and forgive me because I know I pronounced it wrong last week, Threw for 439 yards. That's higher than any number Trevor Lawrence has put up. But Clemson, with other deficiencies, gave up a ton of yards defensively. And Notre Dame goes out and gets the win. They're now the number two-ranked team in America. Kind of crazy to say that out loud, considering Alabama and Clemson also play college football. But here we are with Notre Dame getting the huge win. Nick, I'll go to you first. Uh, Just a heck of a game on Saturday. Notre Dame gets the victory over Clemson, an outcome that really surprised me. And I think in watching that game, there's concerns about Clemson that go beyond the quarterback position and they're not having Trevor Lawrence that week. I think there might be deeper issues here than that, Nick. I agree with you. And this game uh, comes down to the old football adage of, can you run the football and stop the run? Clemson ran the ball 33 times for 34 yards. Notre Dame carried it 40 times for 208. So that's the difference in the game in addition to the turnovers. Clemson was a bit sloppy. They lose three fumbles, and Notre Dame did a good job for the most part of taking care of the football. But at the same time, 
I don't know that I am terribly concerned about Clemson or that I feel like I've really learned a ton. I, I agree that there are deeper issues, but you also have to look at the depth chart for Clemson and say they've got more injuries than just at the quarterback position, and you figure that those will allow them to clean things up. Notre Dame got into a position in this game where they were out in front. They never trailed. We know Notre Dame has a good running game, and they can attack with that, that rushing attack. And when Ian Book isn't asked to do a ton, he can get things done. They didn't really make it difficult for Notre Dame's offense, which is a product of, yeah, Clemson, you're not playing great defense, but also the game script. So I'm not overly concerned with Clemson. I think that when we see this matchup again, inevitably in the ACC championship game, I'm certainly going to pick Clemson, hopefully at more of a full strength. But credit to Notre Dame for going out because – they're playing who's on the field against them, and you have to go and beat who's out there in front of you, and they did that. And Clemson's a very good team, even with – I'm going to call him DJ at backup quarterback. I was impressed with him and how he played. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting here saying I'm not overreacting about Clemson. You sit there and you watch the injuries and say, you don't want to give them a pass, but I'm going to give them a pass because there are just there's so many things out there. It's so difficult to overcome the injuries in college football, but credit to Notre Dame for getting done what was out there in front of them. I don't think we learned a whole lot about Clemson in this game. Or I should rephrase that. I don't think we learned a whole lot of new things about Clemson than we knew before this game started. I mean, I've always had concerns this year about what the Tigers can do on defense, and that was obviously prominent when you're missing your two best linebackers, particularly James Skowski, who has been terrific all year. But I was concerned coming into this game just about Clemson's defense, and that remained true. Um, Offensively, obviously, we saw what Clemson is able to do. I I was never really concerned about what they would do on the offensive end of the ball. And Yes, ETN had one of his worst games in his entire career, but a large portion of that, which we talked about before the show, is that Notre Dame was stacking the box, and DJ had a terrific game. So it didn't really matter all that much in that regard. I am concerned about Clemson, though, going forward. And, Jimmy, I think you referenced this because defensively, I'm concerned about if they can stop anyone because they made Ian Book look like a superstar. And I get that Notre Dame has one of the best offensive lives in the country, and their run game is terrific. But I don't think I've ever seen Ian Book look that good in his entire college career, which is seemingly 18 years long now because it feels like he's been at Notre Dame forever. But – my concerns about Clemson haven't haven't changed much after watching that game on Saturday night because I, I still have concerns. But I don't think they're the best team in the country right now, and I still think that they will beat Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence comes back in the ACC championship game. I agree with you there, Nick, but I don't know if this team is better than Alabama right now, um, especially with what has happened on the defensive side of the ball. And they lost numerous guys to injuries during the game, in addition to the three guys they were missing beforehand, specifically Skowski being the main piece. But I am concerned about Clemson and their ability to win a national title. It's no doubt they're going to get there, I don't think. But I think there are better teams right now than Clemson. Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about it. I probably fall somewhere in the middle here because, uh, yes, you look at the injuries and you look at what Clemson's gone through on that side of the ball it makes sense on the other hand no matter who's in there it's still jarring to see if Brett Venable's defense give up over 500 yards like that's not something that Clemson does no matter who's in there it's just you plug and you play and it usually works out for them at least over the last 10 years 
So I think we've been conditioned to expect this, but with the rate of attrition, yeah, you're going to see something like that happen. I, I will say, if these two teams meet again in the ACC title game, I am 1,000% picking Clemson. Uh, I, just, I, just, I have no confidence in Notre Dame to beat Clemson twice, let alone once, honestly. So credit to them for going out and winning that game. What I think becomes a very interesting discussion now, We've, we've talked about college football this year. It's a weird season. Teams are playing all different numbers of games. Does one loss Clemson get into the playoff if they win the rest of their games over, you know, name your team, basically? That's going to be a very interesting conversation. I would say yes, but I, I think there's a not insignificant number of people who would say no, who I think are wrong. But I still think Clemson is one of the best teams in the country, and Trevor Lawrence coming back, I don't think it's going to be the net gain for them, though, that I think it would have been otherwise. Because look at the problems with Clemson. It's not offensively. And they just dropped 40 points on Notre Dame. DJ threw for over 400 yards. So you look at Clemson and you say, offensively, they're putting up numbers. Last two games, DJ has been fantastic, and they've, they've put up points. But on the defensive end of the ball, a lot of concern there, at least for me. Um, do I think they can get it rectified in time to go try to win a national title? Yes. But is it something worth watching for the rest of the season? Absolutely. And I don't think it'll be one of those things that's just automatically rectified because I do think it's a, it's a legitimate problem. I agree there, but I just we've, – we've had this discussion a million times on this podcast about the college football playoff committee, just to answer your first point and Clemson's getting in. There's no way they're not. If, if Clemson, one loss Clemson is, I don't care who the undefeated team is. There are not enough left for Clemson not to get in. If it's, you know, BYU undefeated is not beating out Clemson. I'm sorry. It's just the ratings, the numbers, the television, whatever it is, will not allow that to happen especially because of Clemson's loss where regardless of what, you know, they got the injuries to the team that's now number two in the country and you're not playing with your presumptive first overall pick quarterback playing in the game. So I, I don't think that Clemson will be penalized for that. They're going to get in. There's, there's no way they are not at the very least the top three team in college football. So to me, that's that. I, I, I know there are concerns, and I think that that's right. And it's not something we're used to seeing from a Brent Venables defense. But at the end of the day, I, I think that the linebackers coming back will be a huge deal and probably more of a big deal than Trevor Lawrence getting back. It might be a big shot in the arm for them confidence-wise to get, to get Lawrence back. But just all the communication that flows through linebackers, right? you got to make sure that the defensive linemen are aligned properly and going to the right gaps and communicating with the secondary when you're playing zone. And then when you're playing man, you got to identify, okay, where's threat number one, threat number two? If they switch, if they cross, if they run a pick, I've got him, he's got him. There are just so many things from a linebacker perspective, making checks, getting us – from the wrong defense to the right defense that experienced and good linebackers can do. That's not a place in college football. I want to have injuries. Not like you want to have them anywhere, but to me at a linebacker position that can probably cost you the most. So you're confident that when Clemson can get healthier at that position, at least I am that some of these issues that seem to be more glaring now will get themselves corrected. And let's not forget, I I know that there are, 
concerns about Clemson's defense. There are concerns about every defense in college football. That's how it works. It's not like Alabama's defense is going in there and shutting people down. They gave up 50-something to Lane Kiffin a few weeks ago and Ole Miss, and they got things turned around. They're playing better, but they're not a great defense by any stretch of the imagination. So from week to week, teams sometimes have issues, especially with these injuries. I'm not, I would say, not as terribly concerned about Clemson's defense as maybe you guys are. I agree about the playoff part for sure. And I I think that regardless of the semantics of it, I think a one-loss Clemson team deserves to get into the playoff regardless. I mean, obviously the ratings thing is one thing, but I mean, like we said, they lost to the number two team in the country right now with their backup quarterback. They lost in double overtime. Like that's not something that I think the committee is going to be too hard on them about. What is interesting to me about just the whole playoff picture as a whole is now you're going to have a likely, assuming Clemson-Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, if Clemson wins, you're going to have a one-loss Notre Dame team in the fold that has beaten Clemson already this year. Is that a team that makes the playoff at this point? I think that's the biggest question to me because I'm not too concerned about Clemson in terms of getting into the playoff. I'm concerned about once they get there, but they're going to get there. My concern is that is a one-loss Notre Dame team with a loss to Clemson, assuming it's Trevor Lawrence, is their resume good enough to get to the playoff? Because I have not been entirely convinced, even after watching that game, that Notre Dame is going to be in, in the playoff. I mean, yes, it's a great performance at home. It's a game but it's a game they probably should win against Clemson's backup quarterback with all the injuries they had on defense. That's a game you should win. That's a game Brian Kelly has to win for Notre Dame. I am If I'm a Notre Dame fan, though, I mean, like, I would be legitimately concerned about that because, I mean, you look behind them. Ohio State's not losing to anyone in the Big Ten. Let's just be honest about that. Texas A&M and Florida, I don't think you're entirely concerned about because each probably has one more loss in them, depending on what happens in the SEC championship game. But what is an eight-note, is an undefeated BYU better than a one-loss Notre Dame? I, I have no idea. It's a question that has to be asked by the committee. And I'm even a Cincinnati team in the American that's undefeated right now. So. I, I honestly, if Clemson finds a way to beat Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, which I believe we all think is going to happen, I don't think Notre Dame makes the playoff, personally. And, and, and that assumes Alabama and Ohio State go undefeated. But I think there's going to be a team with a better resume than Notre Dame, especially with, like, there's been some concerning, not concerning wins, but, I mean, they almost lost to Louisville. They, they were competitive in a lot of games early in games they shouldn't have. And they still have UNC on the schedule, who I know they've kind of collapsed a little bit lately, but this is a UNC team that is very talented as well. So I I would be worried if I'm a Notre Dame fan, just looking ahead on the schedule, knowing that they're going to have to see Clemson a second time. Oh yeah. It's no guarantee Notre Dame's going to win out. I mean, they've got UNC on the road. They've got Boston college on the road who just took Clemson to the wall. They've got Wake Forest, who's been playing a lot better to close out the season. Like, that is far from a guarantee. I think it will be interesting, as you say, though, Jackson. If, you know, let's just assume Clemson gets in. Ohio State, I think, is getting in from the Big Ten, uh, partially because, you know, they're not losing to anybody. Uh, so you've got two there. The Big 12 is probably not getting a team this year. The Pac-12 just is not very good, so let's dispel of, of that notion. Um, you've got... You know, Alabama will assume out of the SEC, they'll get somebody. We'll just use Alabama for argument's sake. So there you're sitting at three. And then, as you said, the last spot comes down to Notre Dame, Cincinnati. You know, that'll be an interesting discussion because I think this is the best chance that the group of five 
teams have at getting to the playoff that they've ever had better than any of the chances Mm -hmm. that UCF had. All right. So speaking of defenses that got their doors blown off, let's talk about Georgia. They fell 44, 28 to Florida. They were down 38, 21 at the half. Kyle Trask had a night 30 of 43, 474, four touchdowns and guys, uh, a tough loss for Georgia. And I'll read you the combined quarterback numbers here between Stetson Bennett and Dewan Mathis. Nine for 29, 112 yards, two TDs, three picks. That's not good. And this was a struggle for Georgia offensively. Uh, guys, just a, such a disappointing result for Georgia. And I will seed, Nick, that you were absolutely right about Georgia and Stetson Bennett and what they could accomplish with him at the cockpit. As their starting quarterback, I was a lot higher on them earlier in the season. But you have been proven right on this, that Stetson Bennett is not the guy. And frankly, I don't know if Georgia has the guy in that quarterback room to get them to the places they need to go. But a very disappointing loss for the Dogs on Saturday. I can't imagine they do, because if they have somebody and they haven't gone to him yet, Saturday would have looked like the time to me. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, but I, I feel like if they had somebody, they would have gone to him, which is interesting. I would have thought they might have given JT Daniels a shot as a guy who I just think is a better thrower of the football than those two that they ran out there. But again, he hasn't played, had the season-ending injury, and you don't know necessarily what he looks like other than in practice. And I will trust that Kirby Smart is, to the best of his ability, putting the quarterback out there that he feels like gives him the best chance to win. If he's not, then I I trust that he is doing that. But I didn't learn anything about Georgia that I didn't already know from this past Saturday either. Well, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say that because I might have thought their defense would have played a little bit better, but this team can't play from behind. That's just the reality of the situation. We saw this when they played Alabama. They are great when they can grind out the clock run the football, force you to pass. But at, at the same time, they weren't able to, to do that even very well against Florida because they get ripped up by Trask in that passing offense this Saturday. But they, they fall behind at halftime, and, and you know the game's over because this team cannot move the ball through the air. And when you get down multiple possessions, your running game goes out the window. They ran the ball decently, 165 yards and a touchdown, but – what good does that do you when you're behind by two touchdowns? So this team just has a quarterback problem in addition to a defense problem, a little bit of fool's gold at the beginning of the season where they were playing really great team defense going into that Alabama game. And since then they've really just gotten exposed. And it's, it's been really apparent that Alabama sort of show the rest of the SEC and the rest of the college football world. Here's how you're attacking Georgia's defense. And Florida took note and did that and put up 44 points. And Kyle Trask was able to pretty well do whatever the heck he wanted to do in four quarters where he was outstanding and probably played the best football that we've seen him play since he's been at Florida. But I agree to some level that this was a disappointing loss for Georgia. I I mean, of course, for those who are Georgia fans and might have thought more highly of them than maybe I did going into that game, it's certainly disappointing. But I'm not surprised at all. This was a team that just – they can't play from behind. Offensively, they're not good enough. And college football is a league of shootouts. 
games aren't won 12 to 7 anymore. You have to win games 45 44 sometimes. You got to win 48 47 40 in overtime, double overtime to win games. And Georgia just isn't a good enough offense to do that because sometimes your defense has an off day. Georgia's defense had a major off day, and there was nothing left on the offensive side of the football. And we'll see what they do with the quarterback situation. But Georgia is certainly not a college football playoff contender anymore, and it's because of that quarterback situation. I think you brought up a good point, though, because like, they had an off day, but they've now had a few for Georgia. And that's the thing that when Kirby Smart got there and took over, you never expected days like this to happen on defense for Kirby Smart coach teams. And yes, I think we knew, we all knew that offensively Georgia was going to have problems coming into this year, but getting gashed for 44 against this Florida team and giving up nearly 500 yards through the air to Kyle Trask in Florida. I mean, I, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, we obviously saw the concerns in terms of what they're going to be able to do offensively, but Nick, you said it perfectly. This team can't win shootouts, and that is college football. That's specifically the SEC now. They're going to have a lot of trouble going forward, and I'm not here to say that Kirby Smart isn't the guy at Georgia because, yes, he brought them to a national championship game and was pretty damn close to winning one, but Kirby Smart as a coach does not fit where college football is going right now, and I think he's a great defensive coordinator no matter where you put him, but I think there's got to be serious concerns from a Georgia standpoint. I know we're going to talk head coaches and yada, yada going forward. I think Kirby Smart is one of those guys who maybe not a lot of people are saying should be on the hot seat, but I think he should because I think you just look at the direction of where Georgia has gone, especially since they lost that national championship game. They let Justin Fields go to Ohio State, and they let Jake Fromm keep his job, which, yeah, you can disagree with that at the time, but that's clearly turned out to be a terrible decision. Um, they, they, they haven't looked like the same Georgia team since that. And I would have major concerns about the direction of Georgia going forward over the next few years, especially with Kirby Smart at the helm, who's not an offensive-minded coach. I, I would have serious concerns for Georgia if I'm a fan going forward about the direction of this program because this is Georgia's terrific program. It's a great recruiting hotbed. There's a lot to work with there, and they just can't find a way to get it done. I mean – Mark Rick struggled with it, and now Kirby Smart looked like he was turning the page, but it's really been stalled over the last few years, and I, I think there are major concerns for this program going forward. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up Justin Fields because I don't know, I don't know how well Justin Fields would have done in this offense, to be yeah. quite honest. Uh, you know, he goes to Ohio State, which is probably the perfect system for him, and he's I would say the Heisman front runner right now. Is he that if he's still at Georgia? I don't know. He's better than what they'd have. But I don't know if he's that. And, Nick, you brought up an interesting point about Georgia playing from behind and not being good at that. I don't know if they're great from, at playing from ahead either. I mean, look at their game against Kentucky, right? They're up 7-3 at the half. They take a 14-3 lead. Kentucky was doing nothing in that game. Like, Georgia had them locked down defensively, held them just over 200 yards. And they were in that game because Georgia's offense wasn't doing anything. Stetson Bennett threw a couple of picks. He only had over 100 yards passing. And this week we just saw that exacerbated even worse. So we'll see what happens with Georgia going forward. But, you know, in a very competitive SEC, this obviously is not their year. I think they really got hurt by Jamie Newman opting out earlier in the year because now they've got to play Stetson Bennett, Dewan Harris, JT Daniels if they decide to go that route. But I think that – 
wound up really hurting Georgia, probably even more so than we thought. So uh, a tough loss for Georgia as they fall to four and two. And now we'll kind of take a look around and we were talking about coaches, whether or not they should be on the hot seat. I don't know if there's a hotter seat in college football right now than the one Jim Harbaugh is on at Michigan. It was another loss this week to Indiana for the Wolverines. They've got a game against Wisconsin this week as the Badgers return from their COVID outbreak with only a couple of active cases. Michigan right now is one and two. They have lost to Michigan State and Indiana. The Michigan State loss particularly glaring because the Spartans sandwiched that between losses to Rutgers and a 49-7 loss to Iowa. But guys, uh, Jim Harbaugh is in a bad spot at Michigan, and he's not delivering, I think, on what he was hired to do. Is this it for Jim Harbaugh? I think it is. It is it for Jim Harbaugh because they haven't been able to get any traction at Michigan, and they haven't been able to win big games. I think that's really what it comes down to. And then that loss to Michigan State is really the crusher. It's it's not about as poorly as they played this weekend. I don't know that it's necessarily about losing. It's that Michigan State game for me. That's that when when you're one in five. Uh, is it one in five? I believe in in the six meetings between Michigan against Michigan State and Ohio State for under Jim Harbaugh. That that's you can't you can't do that. That's just that at the end of the day, that's what they brought you in to do. And when you're not even winning that, you are, you're underachieving. This is a guy who was brought in there with the expectation that they would compete for national championships, and they haven't been able to do that. And that starts with beating Ohio State because that's how you get to the college football playoff. You have to win your conference. You have to win the Big Ten. And they haven't really come close they, they haven't really come close at all because they haven't been able to get over the hump. And then when you're sliding in a loss to Michigan State, there's two losses, you're done. So you have no, virtually no opportunity to even make it to the college football playoff. But to me, it, it all comes back to his inability to run a college football offense in the way that college football is going. And he tried with some of the coordinator hires that he has made. Josh Gaddis was a guy from sort of the Joe Moorhead coaching tree as someone who would come in there and hopefully run a different type of offense, but he wasn't able to do it with Shea Patterson and hasn't been able to do it this year either. It's just the, the time is, is running out. There's, there's, not, there's not much left for him, and it's interesting to me to hear the rumors now about him being open to a potential return to the NFL, and I'm sitting here saying – what NFL organization is wanting to hire Jim Harbaugh right now? Because I don't see it. He I know what. Do. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Woody and Christopher Johnson there, will, will go there. But I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting there saying there's just not a lot that's impressive about what Jim Harbaugh is doing right now. And to me, I, I hate to make this comparison, but it feels a lot like a guy. I'll give you two examples like Rex Ryan and like Chip Kelly. They were guys that were at the forefront of the where football was headed. Rex Ryan in the early 2000s, Harbaugh came a little bit later with that really innovated re-option that, that seems so antiquated now and ran Colin Kaepernick to a Super Bowl way back when. But that's not where college football is right now. They are running very much 
a pro-style offense. They are spreading things out. You can see the elements of what Gaddis is doing, but you can also tell that this is Harbaugh's offense and what they are running, and it just doesn't feel like an offense that is competitive in the scope of college football. They feel a lot to me like Georgia, who we just got done talking about, and they just there's not a lot there offensively. You're hoping that their defense can stay in it enough and find them wins. I think very highly of Michigan's defensive coordinator, Don Brown, and what they have done at times. But just from an overall body of work standpoint, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been able to do enough. And where he really should be making his mark as an offensive football coach and a guy who really made his bones is the dude who recruited and mentored and built up Andrew Luck. I haven't seen it from the quarterback position since he's been there. That's where it starts. And Michigan is all the worse for it right now. I think he's going to be gone after this year. It would be very uneducated for an NFL team to hire Harbaugh at this point. Very uneducated. And, and Nick, you said it exactly that because he's not running a college-style offense, but he's not running a pro-style offense either. It, 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 none of what Jim Harbaugh does on the offensive side of the ball is where football is going. And, and it's literally pretty much the exact same conversation we just had with Georgia and Harbaugh's finished. I mean, I, I've talked to a, a few buddies of mine who go to Michigan and they are fed up with him and, and rightfully so too, because like you mentioned, he hasn't been able to win big games. You look, you lose to a Michigan state team that has already lost to Rutgers this year. And that's not to say that Greg Shiano isn't doing a great job with Rutgers in year one, because he deserves a lot of credit for that. But uh, imagine you told someone three years ago that, Michigan would be losing to a team that has lost to Rutgers in convincing fashion, no less. I mean, and that's the guy you're paying millions upon millions of dollars to get you to the point of trying to compete for a college football playoff. I mean, he's got to go. And he hasn't even been close to, I mean, he had the one year where they played Ohio state on the road and lost on lost in overtime or one of the last plays of the game. And that's the closest they've come. And that was just to get to the big 10 championship. No less. I mean, he hasn't even come close to getting to the college football playoff. And like you said, we've he's tried it with quarterbacks. He tried it with Shea Patterson. Didn't work out. And Michigan's got to move on. And I'm curious to see what direction they would go in after this because they just threw a ton of money at Harbaugh. And now in COVID times, who who's going to be the next guy at Michigan too? Because I don't. I'm not fully convinced it's going to be a big name again because they just went that route and have clearly failed miserably. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Certainly will. And it's interesting, like we talked about the quarterback play at Michigan. So Joe Milton on Saturday, they're down big. He led a really good drive, and you're like, all right, he's finally starting to put it together. Next possession throws it right to the Indiana defender with nobody on his team within 10 yards. And this is the thing, right? You look around – the Big Ten, you know, in the past couple of years, I'll exclude Penn State from this conversation because they're having a bad year this year. But right, Ohio State's got a guy in Justin Fields. Penn State, the last couple of years, had you know Trace McSorley. Like there have been good quarterbacks to go through the Big Ten, at least good to go through their system. And that's the thing that Michigan's been missing because when they have those guys, and you know, included JT Barrett in that conversation from the past, and you're looking at. Wilton Spate, Joe Milton, Jake Rudock. That is an indictment on Jim Harbaugh and the recruiting that they have done. They get Shea Patterson, who had transferred from Ole Miss. But 
you know, whether it be the system or the guys they're getting, either way, no matter what it is, it comes back to the guy in charge, and that's Jim Harbaugh. So, yeah, I do think he's on the chopping block. And does he get another opportunity? I could see him getting one at maybe a smaller college team, maybe not Power 5, but, you know, who would take him in the NFL is a good point. I mean, we, talk, we joke about the Jets, but they're probably the only team. I, I don't see anybody else making that decision. So it will be interesting to see with uh, Jim Harbaugh. I, I mean, I think he's gone, but, I, I mean, I've said that about coaches before, and they wind up coming back from some weird, perverse sense of loyalty. So we'll see. I, I, we'll think, see. He, I think he has to be, Jimmy, just because when you look at – the, the way that Michigan has tended to lose the last couple of years, and I was going through this while you were talking a little bit, just think about the games that Michigan loses, though. Whenever they're playing a team that's well-coached, they lose, right? When, it's, when, when, when someone else can go in there and formulate a game plan and execute it, they lose. They're losing to Mel Tucker. They're losing to Tom Allen. They lose to Ryan Day. They lose to Urban Meyer all the time. D'Antonio the same way when he was at Michigan State. When, when Michigan plays teams that are well-coached, they don't win football games. To me, that is the biggest indictment on Harbaugh. You could talk about the recruiting and how things haven't progressed and this, that, and, and everything else. But when the talent is comparable and he is going up against a team that is well-coached, Michigan does not win football games. I, I don't know how you justify keeping him. I know that it, it, it would be crazy. It would be crazy if Michigan kept him. And the Big Ten stinks this year, too. And, and that on top of it makes it even more of an indictment on Harbaugh, too, because this was the year they were probably supposed to cruise to the Ohio State week. That This was the year they were supposed to probably go undefeated, and if they had the talent and if they were good enough to do so. But they're now one and two, just got their doors blown off by Indiana. They've lost to Michigan State already, and now they're they're out of any conversations to even – not even we're not even talking college football playoff. We're just talking like the top half of the Big Ten this year. That that's how far things have fallen under Harbaugh for Michigan. So I, I'm with you, Nick. I don't think there's any way that Michigan can bring him back. The one thing I would be concerned about, though, is I brought up briefly before. It's the money. I mean, is is Harbaugh due for like is is his buyout enormous? I don't think anyone really knows at this point. So. We'll see what ends up happening. I mean, I think he's going to be gone regardless of what the money situation is. But obviously in these crazy times, we've seen it firsthand. It's hard to fire people if you have to pony up so much money because so many of these schools are in debt. I'm not sure Michigan is one of them, but um, it's definitely something to be concerned about. I think it's also interesting to think about before we wrap up here. Much like what Miami had gone through over the past few years, you have alums from Michigan coming out and just ripping the team and the way that they are playing. Um, Just worth noting, uh, it would appear as though Harbaugh's contract for 2020 and 2021, uh, 6 million each year. So if you fire him, that's, that's your buyout. So not sure exactly how they'll go about it, but, for universities operating in COVID times in which they are already not doing great with money. That's a lot. So it'll be interesting to see. And before we wrap up, I would be remiss not to mention this is the COVID college football season. We have had three games this weekend postponed. 
So there were a bunch of teams in the SEC that had outbreaks. The latest one to be postponed has been Alabama and LSU. That game had lost some of its veneer with the way LSU has played this season. Uh, That game has been postponed. Mississippi State game uh, against Auburn has been postponed. Texas A&M, Tennessee also postponed. Guys, we obviously knew this was a weird season. Uh, I can't say I'm necessarily surprised by this. If you see the numbers around the country, you figure this is going to happen. All the best to everybody involved. But, you know, another unfortunate outbreak in the SEC and the way things are trending, it might be easier actually to say who is playing in the SEC this weekend as opposed to who isn't. So uh, we're recording this at about 5 o'clock on Tuesday. So by the time you listen to this, who knows, there may be more games in flux, but that's what we've got right now. But, guys, this has been fun. Great show. Jackson, it's great to have you back. We need to do do this more often. Listen, anytime you want my voice heard, you let me know because I'm always interested in talking college football. I mean – it's it's great to just talk with you guys in general. Nick, I feel like I haven't seen your face in a while, too, so I just wanted to acknowledge that. Well, I'm that. sorry to hear that because <laughs> you're missing out a lot, right? I'm I'm happy to see you, too. It, it has been a while and always good to be talking about college football, right? There's so much craziness that's going on, and it's so interesting to me. I love talking and breaking down all this stuff, particularly in this such weird, such this weird season and I love that you mentioned LSU losing the veneer with the game against Alabama because I was thinking in my head, Joe Burrow could come down and play for LSU in that game, and I still don't think that LSU team wins. So that's 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 too bad, and we hope everyone's safe. But, again, great to be here with both of you and talking some college football. Before we wrap it up, it certainly though, is. Yeah. I yeah. need to shout out the Terps real quick. <laughs> Big win on the road at Penn State. Yeah, Penn State stinks. I'm not going to sugarcoat that by any means but then Mike Loxley looks like he's got it figured out they got the doors blown off by Northwestern opening weekend but big comeback win versus Minnesota big win at Penn State I mean I haven't beaten Penn State in years so two of his brothers got it figured out and they got a legit receiving core there Rakeem Jarrett's going to be a stud and he's going to be a guy who's playing on Sundays sometime soon so shout out the Terps shout out Mike Loxley you got to say that before I wrap it up they might have another Stefan Diggs. You never know. Hey, that, you never know. Well, if we're talking about you Buffalo, University of Buffalo, Wednesday night <laughs> statement win over Northern Illinois. Maction, it's back. All right. We got Maction tonight too, baby. We love it. Yeah. That. Uh, I, there's a 100% chance I'm watching all of those games tonight. We should also – I just want to briefly mention about LSU. We were talking about them. Um, it is, to me – just an absolute stunner that Bo Pelini is still coaching that defense. But we'll see where that winds up going. But I, I just can't believe with the way they have played that he's still there. Anyways, beside the point, guys, good to be with you. For Jackson, Nick, our producer, Andrew Galata, I'm Jimmy. So long.